Welcome to the Hospitality Forward podcast with listeners in more than 160 countries worldwide. My name is Hannah Lee. I am president and founder of Hannah Lee Communications, an award-winning global PR agency specialized in hospitality and travel. And I'm Michael Anstendig, editor-in-chief of Hannah Lee Communications, as well as the award-winning co-author of The Japanese Art of the Cocktail and The Food and Beverage Writer. Helping the community has always been part of our agency's mission. We understand that a lot of business owners, bartenders, chefs, sommeliers, and others might not have the resources to hire a PR agency. We believe everyone has a story to share, so we created our podcast where our listeners can get to know leading reporters and writers and start building relationships. Each week, these top journalists from around the globe share their practical advice on how hospitality and travel industry professionals can be featured in their stories. In fact, one of our loyal listeners got featured in the New York Times after listening to our podcast and following our media guest tips. So, you could be next. In addition, we give away a copy of our agency's book, The Japanese Art of the Cocktail, to a listener who shares how our podcast helped them tell their story to the media. Simply email us at hello at hanaleecommunications.com, have hospitality forward in the subject line, and share the tip that you learned. And now, on with the show. In this episode, we're delighted to chat with Yolanda Evans. Yolanda is an award-winning freelance writer based in Berlin, Germany, who contributes to Punch, Imbibe, Thrillist, and countless other top media outlets. Specializing in covering travel and booze, Yolanda earned a prestigious ISAP award for narrative beverage writing with recipes. Hi, Yolanda. Welcome to the show. So wonderful to see you. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Michael. It's nice to finally talk to y'all after all these years on your podcast. It's been a long chase, but we finally made it to the finish line. Yay! So excited to have you. Indeed, indeed, and very much worth the wait. So, Yolanda, you've been a journalist for nearly two decades. Tell us how you got into the profession and what you like most about writing. Actually, I went to university for it. I always wanted to be a journalist since... I was a kid because I was good at talking, good at writing, and good at getting stuff out of people. So naturally, I went to journalism, and um, I had a very good teacher who was a freelancer, so she taught us everything of about the job. Now, I did quit for a bit. I've quit a few times because this field is a lot of times you quit and came back. But I just want to be able to tell like interesting stories to people. And sometimes it's hard because you see a lot of the same old stuff rehash. And I try to tell, like, obscure, like, stuff people haven't really seen or, like, hasn't been the, really been talked about in, like, a unique way. Like, I based a lot of my stuff on history because I actually love history. And if I wasn't a journalist, I would definitely be a historian. But it was a long run before I got here. I did advertising I did PR I like traveled for a bit and came back and then I really like I basically was a journalist in like 2008 when the recession was here and then I left and I was getting paid more paid nothing and then I went and traveled for a bit and then I wanted to come back so I was able to come back probably like 2005 and since then been trying to make it work you know getting those bylines making sure I get them checks you know just writing interesting stories that I'm proud of. 
you used to call LA home for a long time, and then you decided to travel the world. So where are you based now? I'm based in Berlin now. Um, I've been to Berlin about since 2021, but I've been living in Europe for about 10 years. So I was in Ireland before, Romania, Morocco, I was all over, but Berlin is my base now. So why Berlin? Um, Berlin is a place where they're, they have a freelance visa for people to come, like, expect. And there's actually loads of artists here, loads of writers. Like, most of my friends are writers here. So it's, like, a very, like, artsy community up in here. So it was the place to get the visa. So I came here after many years of, like, bouncing around. So I decided to make my base for whenever I try out or I go traveling or when I go home. It's an easy place to travel out of. How does living abroad change your perspectives on journalism? Um, not so much so, because most of my, I mean, I do get to tell, like, European stories, but I am a true factor of having a niche, and I don't want to be a parachute journalist. So I basically write about places where I live or I know very knowledgeable. Now, sometimes it's hard to pitch to the states because most of my publications are american-based so it is harder to pitch some stories but like i have basically carved out a niche in my career like booze with travel with history but i also write a lot about ireland and now i'm trying to write more about germany and like i said it is not as easy to pitch to american publications like especially alcohol alcohol is never popular with with magazines unless you can get something unique that has not been done before it is very very hard to sell so it it helps me because a lot of the stuff i'm i do pitch is kind of unique so it's not the very much that people seen so i get it sold eventually it might take a couple years but i will sell that story <laughs> patient is everything <laughs> yeah we, we we admire your uh stick-to-itiveness <laughs> so yolanda how do you how do you keep up with everything that's going on in the u.s while not being here physically I mean, do you think it's a challenge or an advantage? No, I always kept up on what's happened in the world. I read a lot. I, um, you know, talk to friends. So it doesn't count me out. The only difference is I might not know the new hottest bar, but I don't really write about bars per se. So it doesn't really affect me so much. But like, you know, just reading books, Twitter, Instagram, you know, someone will tell you the gossip. So it's easy to keep in touch, like what's going on in the States. You've been writing for Punch, Imbibe, Thrillist, and countless others. So can you walk us through the process of uh, coming up with an idea and getting it published? Oh, I have loads of ideas. I have like an idea folder. I have one on my computer. I have notes on my phone because sometimes I'll just come up with the idea just from sometimes talking to someone. I have that. And the first thing you do, like, I mean, it should be like, for me, it's something that I'm interesting about because if it's not interesting, it's going to be very hard to write. So I do a little I do a little research. I kind of figure out who I want to know, who I want to talk to. And I might beforehand be like, hey, would you be interested to talk to me? Because sometimes I'd be like, I haven't sold it, but I want to do this idea. But then I write the pitch and then I send it to an editor. I try to send stuff on Mondays, Tuesday at the latest, because people have editor editorial meetings and time is on my side so I can send it in the morning so I send that and then you basically wait for them to come 
And usually most people, especially if you have a good relationship, they'll come back with a no or come back with a yes, or maybe they need more information. So I pitch it and then I'll follow up the next week and then I'll follow up twice. And after two times, then I'll pitch it to the next publication because I always have like three publications that I have in mind that I know to pitch for that I know that would fit. So I pitch them and I keep on pitching until it gets sold. Now, sometimes there's been an article. It took me five years. I would stop and come back, stop and come back. But I would pitch because I knew like it is a waiting game, like waiting game, the time of the year, like if it's interesting, how hot it is. But I do eventually get it so because I know these are very good ideas. So someone will take them and I'll eventually get that sold and be able to write the story. It seems like your topic goes to like a history and, you know, beyond trends. So I think it's like a more evergreen story. Yeah, for me, they're, I mean, they're deep dives in historical stuff, which is another reason why I research beforehand, because usually when you get the article, except that you only have two weeks. And if you don't know anything, maybe three weeks if you ask them. But they want it really fast. So if you're if it's something that's going to take a lot of research, then you should already have that beforehand because two weeks you might be juggling two, three, four articles at the same time. So you have to be able to be on the ball so you don't miss out on this and ruin a relationship. I mean, you can ask for extension, which I've done several times, but like I like to have my information clear enough so I can just go and sit and write it. Now, I procrastinate, but I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you always get the job done. I do. It, it, it come out there, and it comes out beautiful in, in the end. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of coming out beautifully, you won an ISAP award for narrative beverage writing with recipes. I mean, that's a huge honor since the ISAP awards spotlight excellence in food and beverage writing. So how did winning the award impact your career? I mean, I got a lot of nods from, like, friends, but I don't really think it impacted because it's an award. And I was happy to win because I haven't won anything since first grade. And it was very honored to have my writing up there. So it was nice. I mean, I do put it in my my um, header, my signature on my email. But, you know, um, it did get me, like, some little jobs and stuff like that. But I don't think nothing's really changed for me. I feel it hasn't because I just move and... I just move on to another places and go keep on running. I mean, I'm very proud of that article because it was very, um, it was assigned to me. So I did not pitch it. So I was very, and it came out beautiful, but I don't really think anything have changed. I'm ha- I'm very honored to have one, but I don't really see anything. Like maybe I can up my rates, but you know, I'm still the same old me trying to, trying to get my stories out there. I keep on, I keep on moving. <laughs> Speaking of articles, we enjoyed reading your imbibe story on Jackie Summers, who's the creator of Sorel Liquor. And we love Jackie and it's so incredible what he has done for his brand. So what inspired you to write this story? And actually, it was actually assigned to me by Paul from Imbibe. I met him before in um, Tales of the Cocktails probably about 10 years ago. And he was always telling me to pitch and pitch. And I pitched him probably like two years ago. And I got like my first assignment for it because I wanted Imbibe and I kept on pitching. And I did my little essay about how I became into the booze missus and like 
And he was like, oh, I have this story. Would you like to do it? And I'm like, yeah. So I wrote the story. It was very nice. I was able to interview very good bartenders. Um, and it was a beautiful story because Sorrel is very historic and to the black community. So it's always good to have point that out. And Jackie being one of the first black distillers. So it was very nice to have that article pointed, like, to write the article. And it came out very beautiful with all the drinks and, like, the design. It was a fun project to do. And it's always good when someone assigns you something because they know your niche and what you're good at. So they just know that they can just go to you and you'll be able to do a good job about it. It's a real vote of confidence. Yeah. I mean, getting getting work assigned is the holy grail. It does not happen often. But when you do, you know the editors have been watching your work so it's like it is a time that they see something in you that they're like, she can write this. So and they'll be like, this is her topic so she can write this. So it actually I mean, I've gotten a few stuff assigned in my years, but I pitch a lot more, too. You know, when you get a call from Paul Clark at Imbibe, I think, you know, you, you, you take that call. Yes, yeah. exactly. I love Paul. He's lovely. Yeah, we love Paul. Good. He's such a beautiful person and has done so much for our community and spotlighting so many beautiful people. Yeah, and Vibe was my goal from when I was starting out in booze journalism. So I have, like, goals, and every year once I check one out, I move on to the next one. So eventually I get to all mine. Good for you. So our, our travel and hospitality industry has a lot of entrepreneurs like Jackie so what does it take to get one of them on your radar? First of all, get my name right. The amount of people who don't put your name or they just have it like this in a mass market. Also, there's a lot of people who don't read your work at all. They'll just send it. and Or the one thing I do hate is when people see an article and they pitch you afterwards. It's just be like, if you basically come and say that I read your work, I'm going to pay more attention to it versus and you have a good topic because a lot of stuff you just get like national pina colada day i don't write about them or stuff that staff would write about i am a freelancer i don't have i can't do these days or the stuff they're pitching because i'm not a staff so you have to make it something that's very interesting for me or you know just something just very interesting to catch my eye that i'll be like oh you know let me research more of this and see if I can make a story about it, see if it's been done a lot, see how I can make this my own story and go work with it. Okay, good. So we really appreciated your write-up of uh, Dublin in U.S. News and World Report. I mean, Dublin is one of our favorite cities in the world, and it holds a very special place in our hearts. That's where we met you a couple of years ago. So why did you write about Dublin and also what do you look for when searching for the next destination to spotlight? Funny enough, I'm actually in my... Ireland is one of my niches. I've been going to Ireland, living and traveling to Ireland for the last 20 years. So a lot of people actually give me the write about Ireland because I know it very well. And Dublin, I go to Dublin all the time. It's on my way to like the surf town I used to live. And I love it. And it's good to spot on light on it because it's good to show people where to go and like little hidden gems that people might not know and how much it costs and how much the time like the spotlight. Because Dublin is also city to go to. It's like, especially if you don't have much time in Ireland. Dublin's like the first city you should go to. And then if you go back, you should go outside of the other places. So it's a good starter for Ireland. If you like, it's the easiest place to get to. 
and easiest place to get around. So it is a beautiful place to go to. And I, I love Ireland. A lot of um, tourism office, like, you know, from different region, different country, you know, been very, very proactive of uh, promoting their countries and the city. So what do you think they should do more to attract people like you who's writing about destination? They should look and see what they've been into and see what type of writing and basically match the writing style to them. Like I write about drinks with the intersection with travel. But me sending me architect is not going to get my thing because I don't write about that. Like, you should narrow it down to them. Maybe even do the little introduction because most of the pit, most of the stuff you get from tourism is a is a newsletter. It's not very personal. It's just basically that, and I will overlook it. And also, I don't really like to write about places that I've never been to. I don't know very well because that's taken away from local journalists. So it takes a while, a lot for me to look into that. So basically look and see what I write about and focus on that because those blanket emails basically go into spam. So I don't see a lot of them. So for those who don't know you or don't have a relationship with you yet, working relationship, do you have any advice how to build that relationship with you? It's a simple an email. And also, I mean, I built up of relationships with people by like, because I'm one of the person, if I'm in the city, I try to reach out to people who we have been emailing forever. Like I will be like, I'm in the States, which as we all know, I'm never there. <laughs> but I do try to do those. Those are like little personal ones. Like if I'm in London, I might meet up with a PR person. That won't be, but like the whole thing is basically look at my profile, see what I do and you know even sometimes if I'm available I might even do a call like I did a call with someone from they invited me on a press trip and I was like oh I cannot I'm I, like I don't really feel like going to Madrid but we did a call and I will be up for a call one thing I don't like is people calling me now we have to set it up but email make it personable out there and you know it's personal like if I email you back and I said I need something for one assignment and you don't get back to me, I'm not going to work with you again because you've been pitching me forever. And then when I need something, I ain't getting it. So that, that basically has me be like, don't work with them again. So Yolanda, you, you had a, a fun Wondermust article in Thrillist where you interviewed uh, Outlander actor Sam Hewitt, mm -hmm. which was a really fun Q&A. So how did that come about? And what is the criteria for selecting notables to profile? I never really read email I never write about celebrities I went to Tales which I haven't been to Tales in 10 years and my friend was doing a one-on-one -on -one, and I love Outlander <laughs> I was just like I need to get on this one-on-one -on -one, and we were there chatting and I wouldn't I didn't think I'd be able to write about it because celebrity booze has been done over and over again so I was like but he was a nice guy and I was like you know he was very nice we had fun I was like I will put this back in my idea for something like maybe I can pitch it somewhere and, you know, I put it back in, like, in the back of my brain. Like, put it on my little list. And then Thrillist did a new section that they had because I've been on the Thrillist call list for, like, six years that they were introducing this new section. And I was just like, I, I was like, I don't know no celebrity. And I was like, wait, I, I met a celebrity this time and I know the PR person who can probably get the email to help me with the interview. So I emailed them first because we had to make sure we could get the email like the interview so I basically emailed them first and it took a while and they said yes and then it took a while to set it up but it was a fun little interview like he's a he's a lovely guy and his gin and whiskey is actually really good which it's 
a rarity with celebrity booths. But, you know, it turned out very well. Like, I was very proud of it, like, to do a celebrity piece like that, which is not my normal booth story, but it was a fun one, and I like fun stuff. Yeah, it was a charming. It was charming. So, um, in addition to celebrity, we believe everyone has a story to share. So, when people are ready to pitch you with their stories to you, we talked about some what not to do. But can you add a couple more uh, practical tips that you can share with us? Send me an email. You never know what can happen because sometimes I might not be able to sell it then. Or I might not be able to come out with the idea, but that maybe later on I'll think of something and I'll be like, you know what, I can make this work and I can look at different publications and come up with ideas. So basically just send me, I basically, my email is very open. I put it on my Twitter and it's very easy to get. Or even people have DM me and they're like, or LinkedIn, just the easiest way to contact me and we can see what's going for there. We'll see what your idea and if it doesn't work out, I tell them to pitch me again. But like I said, you never know. Like, I might come up with the idea six months later and I'll go back to that person. So basically, send me an email. Like, it might work out in the long run with me. My, just the way my brain works sometimes. Because I'll be like, hmm, let me go back to that. In terms of the email to you, do you expect people to, like, include the photo that accompany the story? Or do you prefer hold off until you kind of share your feedback on on the pitch they can put a photo on there um the photo might if it's a bottle might bring in there but you know just a well-crafted email maybe like and and something that i really do like when you know the person has read you they might say oh i read your article this way because at least you know they they are looking at your stuff so you might be the right person but just like simple crafted email might work or even I've had some people who's like oh you know I work with you here can I just send you your client list and I'm like yeah send me your client list like it's I'm very straightforward it don't take much I will sit and read them just send me an email LinkedIn I answer to them DMs just I will get back to everyone because you know I know these are their jobs and I know what it's like when people don't answer your emails editors <laughs> it's not not a good feeling so so, Yolanda, I think what makes our industry so special is its people. So are there any particular people or companies you think are having the greatest impact on our spirits and travel industry and are moving it forward? I do think Punch has one because they write unique stuff. I also think even um, Fullport is a new publication that's out and I was told by my friend that they were looking for stuff, so I just sent an email asking them if they were looking for pitch. I think they're doing very interesting stuff. Like, even Instagram is actually really good because, you know, you have a lot of um, bartenders who are out there teaching. And, um, like, Tiffany Barrera, she's up there, and she's wonderful. Just a lot of places. So I don't really think it's the publication. It's more the writer and the ideas when people are allowed to, like, think outside the box than what is regular that we have to do, and they can write a good story. Moving on to some fun, fun, fun personal question. What is your favorite cocktail? And if you could choose one person to share it with, who would it be and why? My favorite, I'm not, it's very simple, but I love a Paloma. 
it's very refreshing it's very easy to make because i as much as i am in this industry i can make my own cocktails but i don't like to make my own cocktails i go to a bar for a reason so when i do make a cocktail it has to be very simple enough and you know negronis and old-fashioned night but a paloma is so like citrus and refreshing and, and you know the person i would love to sit down with um Odisha, who was like she fought against the Romans and she almost beat them, but she was a very interesting, strong female character who came up, was a Iceni leader. So it would be fun to ask her about how she almost beat the Romans' life at that time. It's very interesting. I've always been very fascinated by that story. It's like because you don't really know what happened to her in the end. Like we don't know if she died. It's just like she disappeared. I know you travel so much. But um, what country is on your bucket list to visit next and why? I want to go back to Georgia. I had a wonderful time in Georgia for a week and I would like to go explore back. But I'm actually saving money to go visit Japan. I always take a six-week holiday off. Like, I don't know how, but I do it regardless. <laughs> but I want to go to Japan I want to eat all the food. I want to go all the anime stuff. I want to go in the springs. I want to do it all. So I plan to go there for six weeks. And maybe Korea because I want to go there too for the beauty products and the food and stuff. Like I just want I've never been to Asia. So Asia is on my list. And I would like to, you know, start out in Japan and Korea if I have time. But mainly Japan. I would love to go to Vietnam. I would love to go to Cyprus because I met a guy who's doing a very interesting project with aging gourds like aging cocktails and gourds so I would in like gourds. to go there yeah we, like we met him at tales as well yeah he's lovely um i would i would like to go everywhere i would like to go to india too india is one of my favorite countries in the world and for me if i have a six weeks vacation if ever that happened i would go to india to explore every part of the country and really get to know their deep culture, history, language. I mean, and, that's one and, of my favorite countries, yeah. Yeah, I would like to go in there, like, to time it. So it might be after Japan, so I can time it with Holi. Because I would love to go to Holi and go from there and travel around. I mean, there's so many places I want to go to, but I don't have the money for it. And it takes time and money. <sighs> well, before we let you go, what's the best way for our listeners to contact you? Um, you can probably contact me in my email or Instagram. Instagram is probably the easiest way. Even Twitter is a good way. I'm not on Twitter too much, not on Instagram, but you can send me like people send me messaging on there. But the best way is my email. It's yyevans at hotmail.com. Yes, I still have hotmail. My Instagram handle is yevans007. And my Twitter or X handle is yoli007. Great. Well, thank you so much, Yolanda, for your time. And uh, we had a blast. And finally, we made it happen. Yay. Yes, thank you for having me. It took a long time. Those time difference because I've been all over them. But I'm glad I actually sit down and do it. It's been fun. It's not as nerve wracking as I think it would be. <laughs> wow. That was an exuberant conversation with Yolanda. Now that you know what Yolanda is looking for, please feel free to reach out to her and introduce yourself. And don't forget to mention that you heard her on our Hospitality Forward podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your favorite shows. 
Also, for all media guests to date, you can find their information and episodes on our agency's website, www.annaleecommunications.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, join us as we move hospitality forward together.